Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Ready for a great new year? Ready for everything God's got in store for us? Should we pray? Father God, we just thank you. The start of this new year, brand new year, so much opportunity. We go into it with great expectation of what you have for us, God. And we love you. We're excited for everything that's ahead. Go ahead and fight our battles for us. May we rest and sit in you, in your love and peace this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take your seat. I lost my voice, so I'm going to give it everything. Is that okay? Next Monday, Monday the 17th of January, we're calling the church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, um, you know, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a real priority for our church uh, to begin the year. In fact, we set the course of the whole year. And what fasting does is it gives you a spiritual edge. And for Chantal and I, we've, when we, whenever we fasted and pray, it always unlocks doors. It always has done and it always will. And I want to encourage you to think about ways that <clears throat> you can join us in praying and fasting into the new year. And it's the, it was a vital part of the early church. And uh, I think fasting and praying is probably the most powerful weapons we have as a church as we head into this brand new year. And so I want to encourage us all to participate, whether that is a full fast, which is liquids only, or a Daniel fast, which Chantal and I are going to be participating in, which is, consists of eating fruits and vegetables and liquid, or a partial fast, where you say no to sugary foods or desserts or chocolates. Um, and next week, we're going to hand out a plan and tell you a little bit more about that. But I also think it's pretty significant that in 22 days, we start work on our new building. So right in the middle of the fast this year, the new building will begin. Um, Monday, the 31st of January. I texted the builder yesterday. I said, just checking, you are starting still. He said, yeah, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> so they're all ready to go Monday, the 31st of January. But right in the middle of that, we're fasting through that. And I think that's going to be uh, monumental for our year. And so, yeah, let, let's all fast and pray. Maybe some of you want to fast social media as well. And, you know, fasting without prayer is a diet. God's not called us to a diet. He's called us to fast and pray. As it's not just about fasting, it's actually substituting the time we would be maybe indulging in a, a clair or a cream cake with prayer. And so I would encourage you, it, it, they go hand in hand. It's not one or the other. They go hand in hand. So I'm excited for that. All right. Well, Steve spoke brilliantly last week. Kicked off our new series on foundations, flourishing or fear. I listened to the message, it was fantastic. And there's a parable in the Bible about two builders. <clears throat> Parables Jesus used to illustrate spiritual or moral truths. And some parables would have actually been experiences that Jesus had seen. Others may have not actually happened, but he used them just to communicate a significant truth. And one of these parables Jesus shares was the importance of building a sure foundation into our lives. So this is our key passage 
for the series. Can we read it out together? Can we stand and read it together? Will you help me? <clears throat> Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations upon the rock. Amen. Bless the reading of your word. You, you may take your seats. I'm sure you were all standing up at home. I can see you now. We miss you, by the way. We love you. And when you're ready to come back, we're ready to welcome you back. Jesus, even though he was a trained carpenter, wasn't necessarily giving us a lesson on how to build a house. He was providing principles here on how to build our lives on the right foundation. <clears throat> what do we know about foundations? The first thing we know about foundations is you can't see them. Have you ever walked into someone's house and complimented them on your foundations or their foundations? You know, you might compliment them on their new couch or their new television. You wouldn't walk in and say, wonderful foundations. The second things we know about foundations is they're not attractive. They might not be attractive, but they do an undeniably good job in your house. There will be moments in this series that are not attractive. Because we're going to address some stuff in our lives that God needs to work on. <clears throat> the third thing we know about foundations is buildings don't stand a chance without them. We don't, we don't stand a chance in 2022 because storms will come. So we need sure foundations in our lives. <clears throat> the fourth thing when it comes to foundations is foundations affect everyone around us. We saw on 9-11 in 2001 when those twin towers came down, they didn't just affect those two towers, they affected all the buildings and the homes and the community around them. And when a marriage comes down, when a relationship comes down, it doesn't just affect the two people involved, it affects the children and the grandchildren, the in-laws, it affects. So when, this is why Jesus encourages us in this parable to build our lives on a sure foundation. Our key phrase for the series is the outcomes of 2022 are determined by the foundations it's built upon. The outcomes of 2022, and I'm sure you've all been thinking about your New Year's resolutions, new goals, and, but they're all built upon the foundations for the year. <clears throat> I want to talk on, go to a scripture, and we're going to look at one of these sure foundations today in Matthew chapter 12. It says, Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be laid waste. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can this kingdom stand? Jesus was living in a moment where he saw division and hurt and offense in people's lives. In his own disciples. And he decides, like any good leader, Jesus decides to address the elephant in the room. And there's three key words in this passage. The first key word is kingdom. <clears throat> Body of believers. That's us. The church. The second key word in this passage is household. 
That's our families, the people around us, our immediate circle of friends. And the third key word in this passage is himself, us as an individual. And Jesus was laying some foundational principles for us for 2022. And here it is, and this is kind of the big thought that I want to unpack for us today. What starts in us as an individual will affect our household, our family, and ultimately affect the kingdom of God, the church. Our world has never felt so divided as it does right now. Who would agree? Everyone is looking to trip someone else up. Social media has become so toxic. People live in fear of maybe something that happened in the past that could haunt them in the future. And Jesus starts, gives us this picture. He says this, he says, division begins in a person's heart. Division in a marriage, division in a household, division in a friendship circle, division in a group. It starts in a person's heart. And then it spreads into the home, into the household. And then it affects the kingdom of God. And this is how hurt and division and offense spreads. It starts in the heart, it goes into the home, and it affects the church. And it all begins and ends with our relationship with Jesus Christ. But look what happens on the opposite of this when we are one in Christ. Acts chapter 2, it's this power of the Holy Spirit being poured out at Pentecost. It says on the day of Pentecost, they were all together. All, key word here, all together. One place. Suddenly a sound came, the blowing violent wind from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, they saw tongues of fire separate and came to rest on each of them. It says, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I'm going to go to. When we are one, the Holy Spirit descends. Notice it says the whole house. Not a part of the house, not a part of the church, the whole house. When the whole house is together, when the whole house is unified, the Holy Spirit is activated. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to fill this house like never before in 2022. But it begins with unity. We've been away, as I mentioned, and we were flying in this week into Gatwick, and I was pretty much asleep. I began to put this message together on the flight, and I dropped off for the last hour, and as I dropped off, we were coming into land, and it always wake me up and say, put your seat up. So I put my seat up and, and uh, went back to sleep. But we were coming in and I felt we were getting lower and lower. You could feel and the wheels came, wheels came down. And then all of a sudden, whew, we went back up again. Oh, that was strange. And the pilot, pilot came on. He said, really sorry for that. He says, there was, a, there was another airplane on the runway. <laughs> well, thanks for letting us know. You could have kept that between... And then we were, we were coming through immigration, talking to the guy, and 
He says, oh, he says, where have you been? We said, where have we been? He says, oh, were you on the flight that went like this? He said, I was driving into work and I saw that all happen. I said, we were actually. God began to speak to me. We need to give the Holy Spirit a landing pad in 2022. And that landing pad is unity. Because the Holy Spirit wants to descend on your home. The Holy Spirit wants to descend in our church. The Holy Spirit wants to descend in our heart. But it can't if there's blockages and there's division and there's adversity. The Holy Spirit, it says when they were all in one place, the whole house was together. The Holy Spirit descended. And some of us are wondering what's happening in our lives, why we can't move forward. And God is saying, if you can just get some of that stuff out, that junk out of the trunk, if you can deal with some of the issues in your past, if you can get rid of some of the disunity in the church, the Holy Spirit can descend like never before. And the landing pad for the Holy Spirit in your heart is unity. The landing pad for the Holy Spirit in your home is unity. The landing pad for the Holy Spirit in Soul Church is unity. You know, the Holy Spirit is desperate to enter our hearts and our homes and our church, but it needs a landing strip. And that landing strip is unity. And the Bible says where there is unity, he'll command a blessing. It's interesting, the last prayer that Jesus prayed before his death was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said this, and this is beautiful. He says, I do not pray for these alone but also for those who believe in me through their word. He says that they may all be one. As you, Father, and me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one, in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus was not talking to unbelievers there. He was talking to believers. He was talking to those closest to him. Jesus knew that the disciples were different characters. They were colorful characters. And there was potential for division amongst them. And so he said, he said, my prayer for you before I go to the cross is that you will be one. Just as the Father is one with the Son, that we would be one with the Son and that we would be one with one another. And the result is this, the world may see that you have sent me. So the people looking from the outside will see unity amongst Christians, unity amongst churches. And when the world sees us with undivided homes, undivided hearts and an undivided church, guess what? they will be attracted to us. Now I want to just share this, and this is something that God has just recently showed me, that division is different than diversity. We celebrate in this church diversity. We celebrate diversity. In fact, the more diverse, the better. And there'll always be diversity within a church. There'll always be diversity within a family. We're always going to have different opinions. And we need diversity. In fact, we need more ideas. I want to be challenged in my thinking. I want to grow in my thinking. I want to be prepared to say, I got that right and I got that wrong. We've got to be able to grow. 
But the challenge is when diversity turns into division. And we've seen this in families, we've seen this in marriages. The diversity is turning into division. And there's toxicity in churches and homes and hearts. And this is how diversity changes into division. Jesus spoke about it in John 13, 35. He says, but everyone, thank you, will know that you're my disciples. Here it is. When you love one another. Diversity turns into division when we stop loving one another. I'm so sick of division. Division. Everyone's divided right now. He's pro-vax, she's anti-vax. She's a Brexiteer, he's a Remainer. He's right-wing, she's left-wing. She's a liberal Democrat, she's a Labour, she's a Conservative. He's this. We've just come back from America. The whole country is divided. And diversity, the devil has used to turn it into division. And the world is looking at the church, he's looking at Christians, and he's laughing. We start fighting amongst each other, and our hearts and our homes and the churches are divided. Christians are attacking each other online. And all the time the Holy Spirit is hovering and says, I've got no landing pad. I want to bring joy and love and peace into your home, but he says, I can't. Because you're not in one accord. You're not in one place. And we may never agree on everything and actually think we're not meant to. But it has nothing to do with the fact that God has called us to love one another. You're never going to love everything that happens in this church. You're never going to love everything I say or everything I do. And I get that. And that you won't in the next church. But God has called us to love each other. Despite our diversities. Despite our strong opinions. And everyone's right at the moment. Have you noticed that? We're all right. Our opinion. You know, we, we'd, all, we'd all do Boris's job better than him. No, we wouldn't. And Jesus' last prayer was this. Make us one. Jesus' last prayer is my first message title of 2022. Make us one. Make us one. Make us one in Christ. Chantal and I make us one in our marriage. Make us one in our family union, the Normans and the Rogers. Make us one in, with others. Make us one in our church. I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit outpoured in our church. But if there's no landing pad, there is no way the Holy Spirit can move. And without the Holy Spirit, we're a community club. We're just, we've got great coffee. We've got some great production. We're just a community club. And there's nothing wrong with a community club. But with the Holy Spirit, we can transform a city. Because the early church, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Bible says that signs and wonders were outpoured. So this is a journey that Chantel and I have been on. I'm going to be honest and vulnerable. And I really, the premise of the message is I pray that God mends hearts families and relationships as a result of today. 
<clears throat> I actually think today will be a significant milestone in our church. I believe that today the, the phrase, make us one, will become something like, this belongs to God. And some of the key phrases that God has given us over the last seven or eight years, but make us one. When you ever find disunity coming in your home, in your heart, our first prayer is the, the, the prayer that Jesus prayed of his disciples. And he said, make us one. There's three, see, three breakdowns in that prayer. I want to pray over us today. And it's a journey we're all going to go on this year. But the first prayer that Christ prayed is, make us one in you. So it says in 21, verse 21, they, they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Before I can be one with anyone else, before I can be one in helping others, I have to be one with Christ. The further I remove myself from being one in Christ, everyone else and everything else seems to suffer. 2019, Louis Blois and I ran seven marathons in seven days. And... Um, I haven't fully recovered, actually. I've still got a sore voice and sore legs. But what I realized was my, what my coach had drilled into us in the 12 months building up to the, to the event. And he said this. He said, rest is more important than training. And he kept telling me, rest is more important. And I couldn't understand what he meant until about six months into training. And I realized that my recovery time had to be greater than my running time. And as I, as I began to unpack this thought, I felt God speak to me that you've got to rest before you walk. We've got to rest before we walk. Our world is shouting and screaming and talking and typing and twittering and Instagramming before they're resting. And Ephesians 2, 6 says this, and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. They say prevention is better than cure. Now here is division's prevention. You ready? Life gets messy when I walk before I sit. And Christ has called us to sit with him and talk with him. The Bible does not say that Twitter is a lamp unto my feet or Facebook is a lamp unto my feet. He says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we gain perspective in life when we sit before we walk. And some of us, we're walking into conflict and we're walking into opinions and we're walking into, but we haven't sat at his feet. And Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me. Before you get involved in all the opinions and all the conspiracies and all the things that are happening in our world right now, I want you just to come and gain some perspective and sit in my presence. I talked a few, talked a few years ago about tea with God. Not tea with Facebook. Tea with God first thing in the morning. Or coffee. Hopefully nothing stronger. But just taking a moment to sit. Sit before you walk. Because none of us know what we're going to be walking into in the day. Hurts, disappointments, pain. God is calling us to sit. Some of you have been walking 
You've been firing on all the cylinders. And God is calling you to sit. And two reasons to sit before we stand. Number one is this. You beat it before you meet it. You beat it before you meet it. Which means there are going to be times in your day where you have the potential to respond or react the wrong way. But when you have been in the presence of Jesus and you allow the Holy Spirit to descend on the runway of your heart, you can beat temptation, you can beat the challenges before you even meet them. The biggest mistakes I made was running before sitting. And this year, the challenge is to sit before we walk, to sit before we type, to sit before we tweet, to sit in his presence and meditate and allow the love of Christ to come and permeate into your heart. And it's amazing how different your day will be, your words will be, will be when you've been at his feet. And the second reason to sit before we run is we offload our hurt to the Lord. Some of us are hurt. And we get to talk to God about it before we talk to others about it. Because remember, your foundations affect everyone around you. And hurting people often hurt people. Before you know it, your whole circle of friends are getting influenced by your hurt. So we have to sit at his feet. Mary and Martha were sisters and Jesus comes around for some supper. Wouldn't that be a nerve-wracking event? Jesus is coming over tonight for supper. You ladies would be rushing out this door as you speak, wouldn't you? And Martha hurries to ensure the preparations. And yet Mary does something so different. The Bible says she just sits at Jesus' feet. She sits there. And Martha then says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do all the work by myself. <clears throat> you tell her to help me. Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about so many things. Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary is, Martha is rushing around and trying to get everything right. And Mary is content to sit in the presence of Christ. You know, this year, I've been off social media now for three weeks and I've loved every minute of it. Honestly, it is so refreshing because I've had more time to sit. You feel so refreshed. I don't care what you had for supper last night. I'm sure it was lovely, but it doesn't actually matter. Because it gives me more time to sit. And sometimes we're being so distracted. And Martha was being so distracted by everything else. And Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet. And my life has the potential to get very complicated if I walk before I sit. You say, well, God works six days or seven days and know but Adam was created on day six and the first thing that Adam did was rest the first thing God did was put Adam to rest 
Most of us, imagine employing someone. First out, I just want you to rest today. <laughs> God put Adam to rest. And the first thing that God wants us to do is rest. Rest. The secret to being one with God is sitting with him before walking with others. I will walk into opportunities to be offended this week. That is absolutely guaranteed. But here's the good news. We can beat it before we meet it. If we sit before we walk. Give your burdens. Psalm 55, 22. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not allow the godly to fall. Our day, if you're writing notes, write this down. Our day doesn't begin with doing. Our day begins in sitting in what's already been done, which is the finished work of Calvary. Make us one in him. The second prayer is this. Make us one in us. Jesus said that they also may be one in us. What's he talking about? He's talking about us working together, building together, serving alongside each other, loving each other. The last 12 months, Chantel and I have been personally attacked more we have in our whole ministry of 20 years. Never realized how toxic people could be. Emails, phone calls, people blogging about us and posting about us. And every single person, the crazy thing, is meant to be a follower of Christ. So these attacks aren't coming in from people outside. They're coming in from people who are meant to be one of our own. And this is what I realized. It didn't start in the church. It started because people weren't personally one in Christ. You see, when your heart goes bad, it affects your home. And when your home goes bad, it affects the kingdom. And when we are one in Christ, here's the good news. We're one with each other. We're one with each other. And when people <clears throat> attack you, hurt you, and relationships are divided. There are three biblical ways to make us one again. I want to share. In fact, there's four, but I'm going to fly through these. There's four biblical ways to make us one again. We need to write these down because they're so important. Number one, <clears throat> these, are, these are principles that Chantal and I have been putting into practice. Number one is take a step back. Take a step back. When people attack you, it says more about them than it does about you. Because what it does is it shows you where they are in Christ. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is one's glory to overlook an offense. Just to take a step back. If we're going to be at one with each other, there are times when we're all going to let each other down. Families let each other down. Husbands and wives let each other down. Children let parents down. Parents let che children down. And the first thing we've got to do before offense creeps in is just take a step back. Get some perspective. And the second biblical step is this. We have to relinquish our right to get even. 
This is where we've got to fully trust God. I love what Paul says. He says in Romans, he says, don't try to get even. Let God take revenge. Leave it up to God. He'll take care of it. This is my favorite part. He says, and he'll handle things much better than you ever could. <laughs> How good's that? I've seen Chantal, my wife, put this into action time and time again. People who are closest to her. She just takes a step back. And then she says, you know what? I'm going to relinquish my right to get even. We have to let God fight our battles. And the third thing is we respond to evil with good. The good news is God wants us to respond. The bad news is it's not in the way you think it is. Luke 6.27 says, do good. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, this is, I said it, I said foundations aren't always attractive. <clears throat> do good to those who hate you. Oh, just stop there, Jesus. No, 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 he goes on. He says, bless. What? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Does he do this to make it painful for you? No, he does this to help people be set free. Because if we try and take revenge or we try and take the matters into our own hands, it only creates more chaos. What does Jesus mean by doing good? <clears throat> I honestly think when Jesus was speaking about do good to those who, who hurt you, I think doing good is often doing nothing. Often doing good can be just do nothing because everything is screaming do something. And so sometimes the best thing, the good thing, is to do nothing. Drop every plan of revenge. Do you know sometimes when people do things to me, I send them an email, but I send it to, my I send it to myself. So I get all my feelings out, and I email it to myself. John at soulchurch.com. Got my email address now. But I do. It's just one of the ways I deal with people who despitefully use me. I don't send it to them because the Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. So the moment you attack people on email, there's a record forever of their wrong and your wrong. The Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. As soon as someone sends me a, a nasty message in email, the first thing I do is press delete and it's gone because I don't want anything that's a record of a wrong on their account or on my account. Some of you are keeping records the last 10 years. One day I'm going to get my revenge and I'm going to bring out this. I'm going to show them. But Jesus says, no, there's a, there's a better way. There's a higher way. There's a higher standard to live by. Do good. Then he says, bless. What Jesus meant by bless there is a spiritual word for pray. Pray. Pray for them. Pray for them. You know when you've truly forgiven someone, when you start praying for them. When you stop talking about them and you start praying for them. And you say, God, I pray you'd come. I don't know what's happened, but you'd heal their hearts. Because their heart will be affecting their family. 
and their family and their heart is now affecting the kingdom. And this is the way, this is the higher road to live by church for 2022. And the fourth, the fourth way when it comes to making us one with us together is we've got to lose count of people's wrongs. Lose count. Peter asks Jesus in Matthew 18, he says, how many times should I forgive someone? And Peter thinks that forgiveness is like a mathematical equation. So Peter suggests something to Jesus. By the way, never suggest something to Jesus. Because Jesus is already a step ahead of the game. And Peter suggests, hey, <clears throat> Peter's had a fallen out of his brother. <clears throat> and he says, how many times should I forgive someone? Is seven times enough in a day? I think seven times should be enough. Peter's feeling good about himself. Peter's obviously not married. And <laughs> is seven times enough? And Jesus comes back and he says, no, 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 no. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. No good at maths. But that's 490 times a day. Jesus says, no, if you're hurt, I want you to forgive 490 times. But Peter was trying to define it by mathematical equation. But Jesus wasn't suggesting a number. Jesus was suggesting a formula. Peter thought, Peter thought I'm being generous here with seven. And then Jesus ups the ante exponentially to 490. What was Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this. You can't afford to keep score if you're going to be a forgiving person. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is about losing count. Because 490 times in a day is like forgiving someone every two minutes. You're going to, if you're, oh, he did that to me, she did that to me. Jesus caught three more and I don't have to forgive you anymore. But you, you can't keep count. Jesus said it's not about keeping count. It's about losing score. And some of you have been keeping count for far too long of the people who've pained you and hurt you and let you down. And Jesus is saying today at the start of 2022, stop trying to keep count and start losing score. It's a new day. It's a new year. Lose count. Lose the email. Lose the text message. And here's what happens is when I'm a one with him, the result is I am at one with others. When I sit, it affects how I walk. And when I walk after I've been sitting, I'm walking in grace. I'm walking in forgiveness. I'm walking in love. I'm walking in compassion. And suddenly I see things the way Jesus did. And suddenly the person who angered me and hurt me, suddenly I'm just seeing him with the eyes of compassion. And I'm seeing the pain in their eyes. I'm seeing the pain in their words, the pain in their text messages. And I'm realizing this is nothing to do with me. This is to do with maybe that something that happened to them as a child or 
Maybe a person hurt them and suddenly, God, I want you to bless them. God, I want you to help them. And this is how we're called to live as Christians. One in Christ. One with each other. And the third thing in this passage as we finish is make us one with them that the world may believe. As we are one in Christ, as we are one with others, the world are watching. Suddenly we don't get pulled into critical conversations about government work. Suddenly we don't get pulled into opinions. Suddenly we get caught up in worlds of conspiracy and suddenly we get find the good and the bad. Here's what God showed me is this. The world is not our enemy. The world is not our enemy. Jesus has called us to love those in our world. We're to love people. To love the person. The only thing we are called to hate is sin. We hate sin. Sin destroys people's lives. Does that mean we go soft on truth, biblical truth? Absolutely not. We believe in the word of God. We believe in biblical marriage. We believe every word that the Bible says, but we love people. We love people. We love people through their issues. We love people through those doors. We love people through their marriage stuff. We love people in every aspect of our life. God has not called us to attack people, but attack sin. The world is not our enemy. Sin is our enemy. And when we see people respond and reacting in a certain way, we're to pray for and pray that God's light would shine onto those areas of their lives. We need to speak the truth at the right time, but we speak the truth in love and in compassion and in grace. My three prayers for Chantel and I for our home this year. God, make us one in you. Make us one in us, each other. And make us one with them, the people around us. Matthew, Matthew 7, 12, 25 says, A house divided against itself will not stand. It's time, church, to put divisions to one side. Put divisions to one side in your workplace. Put divisions to one side in your marriage. Put divisions to one side. And our prayer today is, Father, make us one. Make us one. Make us one. I'd love us to stand. I feel like I haven't been able to do it complete justice because of my voice today. But I pray that you heard my heart, even though you didn't quite get the passion behind it might be a strange message to kick off 2022 with, but make us one, Lord. Make us one. Make us one. God's not called us to fight against each other. He's called us to fight. stand with each other in 2022 we're on the same team we're diverse we're different culturally so many differences in this church but we are on the same team we're going to take land and territory this year 
every bishop, every vicar, every pastor, every church leader in this nation, we are on the same team. The enemy is the kingdom of darkness, not each other. God wants to release oneness over his church. Be at one. Be at one in your marriage. You know, it's, it's even healthy to have diversity in marriage. It's okay. Just been with Chantel's family for 16 days. We're diverse in so many ways, but it's beautiful. They are so different to me. And I am so different to them. And we have so many different views. But there's so much love. Because we're not going to allow, and we, we all made a decision as a family, we're not going to allow diversity to turn into division. We put some boundaries in place. Because they're not going to change their viewpoint, and I'm not changing mine. So here's the thing. We're going to celebrate it, that we're different. How good is that? That's how churches flourish. We don't all have to think and look the same. We just have to celebrate one another and the goodness of God in our lives. So God wants to release oneness over you this year. I want to pray for people. This, this front area is open and I want you to get out of your seat today. I want to pray. If you're saying there's an area of my life which has been divided, could be in your workplace, your family, could be in your heart, could be in your home, could be in the church. I want you to come and step out of your seat. You can bring your spouse, you can bring your kids, you can bring your family. I want to pray oneness over our church. I want to speak freedom. I want to speak freedom over every broken heart, every broken home, every broken marriage. Dads, mums, grandparents, I want you to come right now to the feet of Jesus. I want to pray for unity in our church. Come on, you come. Don't worry about what people think. We're going to pray for you online. You can join in as well. You can begin to lift your hands and pray. We're going to speak oneness right now. Come on. I want to be one with the Father. I want to be one with others. I want to be one right now. I've allowed too many times, I've allowed diversity to become division. And today I've decided I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to put that aside. I am going to be one today. Come on. Come on, that's it. Many of you need to come. Step out of your seat. One in Christ. One with others. One with the Father. Our prayer team, they're going to come up behind you and begin to pray. If you want to share anything with them, you can confidentially share. We're going to pray for you. In your home, you can watch it online. You can write something in the chat. But we're going to pray right now. We're going to be one with the Father, one with each other, and one with the people in our world as we worship. Amen. Amen. I want to pray right now for these three groups. First is I want to be at one with you, Father. I've lost my intimacy with you and I want to sit at your feet. I want to sit before I run. And if you're saying, even if you haven't come out of your seat, you're saying today, God, I want to be at one with you. I want you just to slip up your hand all over this room. One with the Father. Let me pray for you this year. You want to be at one with God. Don't allow anything to creep into your heart. One with the Father. Father, right now, we make a decision to sit at your feet, to sit before we walk, to sit before we talk. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd soften our hearts. You'd help us, God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be at one with others. Maybe diversity has turned into division. There's division in your family, there's division in your home, there's division at the work. But you're praying today, I want to be at one. I want to be at one. 
I want you just to slip up your hand right now. God, help me to forgive. God, help me to celebrate diversity. God, help me to love and value other people's opinions. I don't have to be the strongest force in the room, Father God. Soften my heart, God. I don't always have to be right. Father, we come to you right now. We're sorry for when we've allowed our opinions. We're sorry for when we've allowed things to get into our hearts and it's broken relationships. It's broken in marriage. It's broken in friendships, in groups, in church. Father God, we, we pray for healing right now. Help me to forgive. Help me to bless. Help me to pray. Help me to do good, Father. In Jesus' name. And as we do, Others will see Christ in us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Our prayer this year is make us one. Make us one. Everyone just to lift their hands in this room. I want you to say this prayer together. It's a simple prayer that Jesus prayed. He said, make us one. Come on, why don't we say it out loud after three. Make us one. One, two, three. Make us one. Make us one, God. One in Christ. One with each other. And one with those around us who need to see you. God in here. It's amazing that when the Word of God goes forth into our hearts, and we're talking about love and unity and peace, how it, it, it disperses angst in our hearts, doesn't it? That no one else can, nothing else can do. Right now, I want to speak His love over every heart, every concern, every family concern, every relationship. His peace and His love is yours. Just in these closing moments, I would love to extend the invitation for those that haven't yet given their heart and life to the giver of peace, to the one that created you, to the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man or woman or child can come to the Father except through Jesus. Making our peace with Jesus means we, we have peace in ourselves, we make our peace with ourselves when we make peace with God. And that in turn gives us peace with those around us. If we really want peace with those around us, we have no chance unless we know the giver of peace. Ephesians 2 says that He's our peace. He's broken down every wall, every bit of enmity between us and God and with us and others, with us and ourselves. Pastor John said the outcomes of our lives are determined by the foundations we build them on. Right now at the start of, of 22, 2022, build a foundation on Jesus Christ, putting Him first in your life. So maybe you've come for the first time, maybe you're watching online and this message has spoken to your heart today and you know you haven't made your peace with God. You don't have the assurance that you are a Christian, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have a daily close living, breathing relationship with Him. And all across this room in every row, 
I'd ask you to look into your heart. Say, do I need to make my peace with God for the first time? Or maybe you've walked with God, but you've drifted and you've, you've become disappointed. People have hurt you. Maybe even church, things have hurt you, but it's not God that's hurt you. He's reaching out and he's waiting with loving arms and he's saying, come back, my daughter. Come back, my son. So maybe you're a young person in here. Maybe you're, you're older and you've, you've, you've maybe been coming church for a, for a long time, but you know that you know that it's not right in here. And you might not have it all worked out yet. Don't worry about that. Take a step of faith and he'll be ready to embrace and receive you just as you are. So I can ask that every head be bowed, every eye closed. And I'm going to pray a prayer, simple but powerful prayer, but saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want to make a start, a fresh start at the beginning of 2022 to put you in the center. So I know who I'm including in this prayer while everyone has their head bowed. Can you just raise your hand after three? And I know if you're praying this prayer for the first time or you're coming back, if that's you today, just pop your hand up after three all across this room, each row, one, two, three. That's it. Pop your hand up and I can see you and know who I'm including. Thank you. Thank you over there. Thank you at the back. Thank you. They're applauding because it's the best decision you will ever make. And so right now, I want us to say this prayer together and make it really personal and meaningful. Just keep your eyes closed. And if you're praying this for the first time, put your hand on your heart and pray this prayer after me. And online, you do the same. Put your hand on your heart. Mean it with every fiber of your being. And the rest of our church, if you can say it loud with me, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I, right, right now, I choose you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Today I make a brand new start with you in the center of my life. I want my life to be meaningful, full of purpose, and I will follow you all the days of my life and live with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's applaud again those that have prayed that prayer. Amen. It's the best. It's the best the best decision you will ever make. And if you prayed that for the first time just then, or you prayed it because you're coming back today, we would love to acknowledge that with you and give you a gift on the way out, a beautifully illustrated Bible. Even if you already have one, our team will be waving because we want to make a connection. We want to, you've made the connection with God. We want now want to help you on that journey and maybe get your number and email. And we'd love to contact you during the week just to say, well done. We're praying for you and encourage you on the journey journey of faith and get back into church next weekend. Maybe you want to come back to be part of Soul Path tonight, but just uh, see someone on the way out say, I prayed that prayer and I'd love one of those Bibles. And uh, that would be a great way to start your 2022. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.